Turn with me, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. Don't forget Monday night prayer tomorrow at 7, Wednesday Bible study at 7. We're still uh, studying the uh, series from Andrew Womack, um, As I Have Loved You. Very interesting. <coughs> A lot to learn. <clears throat> Praise God. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, in verse 14, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph. King James says, always causes us to triumph in Christ and through us diffuses or manifests the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Father, we love you, we praise you, we glorify you, and we thank you. We thank you, as always, for your blessed holy word and for the anointing upon that word. We thank you for our ears to hear the word, our hearts to receive it, our minds to be open to the glorious light of your word. We thank you, Father, for utterance in the Holy Spirit to proclaim the truth of your word that makes people free. We thank you, Father, that your word tells us that we'll know the truth and the truth will make us free. So we thank you for spiritual freedom in a free country where we're free to preach, praise, teach, Pray your word without fear of retribution or reprisal. We thank you for that freedom. We thank you as always, Father, for revelation heart knowledge, taught to our hearts by your Holy Spirit. We know that your word tells us that no man shall teach us. So we thank you for the teaching of your Holy Spirit ministering to our hearts. We thank you, Father, that as we receive this word into our hearts, that it, it not only grow, takes root, and grows, but it continues to overflow from us so that our ministry is an overflow of our relationship with you. We thank you for that privilege. We thank you for the privilege of being your vessels upon this earth, dear Father. We don't take it lightly or for granted. We consider it a privilege. We thank you, Father, for the ministry of reconciliation that we're all called to. So as we study your word today, we thank you that it takes root in revelation heart knowledge. We thank you again that our faith doesn't stand in a wisdom of men, but in your power, the power of the living God. We thank you for godly wisdom for all of us, Father. Not the wisdom of the world that's earthly, sensual, and devilish, but godly wisdom, wisdom from you. Your word tells us if we lack it, we can ask and you'll give it to us liberally without finding fault. So we thank you for liberal amounts of godly wisdom. We've already believed you for it. We expect to receive it. For we've asked you in faith, not wavering, and we're not double-minded, and we're not unstable. So we thank you for liberal amounts of wisdom, heart knowledge, and the love of your word. We bring the sacrifice of praise continually, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we've all heard, uh, maybe even made the statement that you can't win them all. Did you ever hear somebody say that? Well, you know, and, and if you... If you like sports, sports teams can't win them all. There's been very few teams that ever went through any kind of a season undefeated, and that's only 
teams that, are, that play a few games, like Major League Baseball, they play a 162 game schedule. It's impossible to go through 162 games and win all those games because it's a long schedule and there's injuries and you get in slumps and so forth. In fact, if somebody wins 100 games, that's considered an extremely, extremely successful season. So that means they had to lose 62 games out of that season. So if you're a sports-minded person, the, the term you can't win them all, you might think, well, we, we didn't win this one, but we, we're going to win the big game. But sports teams cannot, and there's, a, there's been a couple of football teams, college and pros, go undefeated throughout the years, but they don't play that many games. They play once a week for, you know, two, three months, and that's it. So in high school teams, things like that. But you can't win them all in sports. Management teams have made that statement. They can't win them all. I remember when I was in the banking business, our, uh, the guy that was above me, the president of the company, he, he uh, decided that we were paying far too much in taxes, and he was right. And his, the accountants told us that we needed to declare a bonus and we need to have company cars and things like that. And we had a bunch of uh, people on the board that were elderly and set in their ways and he knew that this was going to be a battle to get this through because, you know, a, a bonus for all the, the employees, you know, that was a great thing for us because we got it right at the end of the year, right before Christmas season and, and it was a great thing, but it was a battle. And when he won that one, he said, you know, we won't win all of them, but we won this one. And we did win that one, and, and after that, they, they won battles for company cars and other things. But one year, we only got a, we got a smaller bonus, and he said, well, you know, I had to fight for this, but, it, you know, we, we've won big ones in the past, but we don't win them all. We can't win them all. So, it, you know, and I've, and I've heard people making deals and management teams make statements, you know, that this one, we lost this one, but we won't win them all, or we won't lose them all, but we can't win them all. Politicians can't win them all, right? You know, they may let you think that they, they but, you know, they, they can do some certain things to have a victory over certain bills, they can get elected into office, but, you know, even some of the best ones aren't going to win them all. Can't win them all. No politician can win everything every battle, they, are, they owe too many favors. You know, the way politics works. But Christians, as Christians, should we ever make that statement? Should we make the statement, you can't win them all? I heard Brother Copeland say one time, he, he hated to hear Christians make the statement that, you know, we have to lose some sometime. We don't have to. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, against principalities, powers, rulers, the darkness of this world, wicked spirits in the heavenlies, and we have authority over those. We can win them all. As ministers of reconciliation, do we? Do we win them all? It says, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph, who always causes us to triumph in Christ. And through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Let's... Uh, I don't have it up there, but I want to go back to the beginning of that opening in 2 Corinthians. It's actually, the, the, the thought begins to resonate here in chapter uh, 2, verse 12. It says, Furthermore, I came to Troas, this is Paul, of course, talking, to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened to me by the Lord. 
I had no rest in my spirit, because I didn't find Titus my brother, but taking my leave of them, I departed for Macedonia. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. It's almost like an afterthought to him. And through us, diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge, or manifests the fragrance of his knowledge every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one were the aroma of death leading to death. Which one would that be? The one perishing, right? And to the other, the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not, as so many, peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, but... As from God, we speak in the sight of God in Christ. Now that that particular verse, he's talking about we're not adulterating for gain the word of God. We're not peddling it as so many, he says. So as ministers of reconciliation, how do we look at it? We have to witness and preach. All of us have to witness. And you might do some preaching. I don't mean in a in front of, in, you know, up in front of 500 people, but you might find yourself preaching, right? But we're all witnesses. We all have to do it with a sincere heart. Getting the word to somebody is a victory. You might not look at it that way because some people don't receive it. I mean, if you're here today and you, every, every time that you've, mentioned the word of God to somebody or tried to witness Jesus to somebody they've received you with an open arm You're, you are the exception rather than the rule if you are stand up and come up here and give your testimony if you're not stay where you are I don't see anybody rushing up I know beyond a shadow of a doubt every one of you has been put off by someone when you've mentioned the Lord or your your particular beliefs or your you know, or tried to witness to them. Getting the word to someone is a victory. And I'll tell you why here in a minute. We have to witness and preach with a sincere heart. Now, if you gave it out just out of obligation, and you know, that, that might not be a victory, but with a sincere heart, you gave out the word and they didn't receive it. That's not on you. We have to be prepared in anything in life, but especially when you're witnessing and preaching, we have to be prepared for both positive and negative responses to our godly life, our preaching, and our witness. If you're not prepared, then get yourself prepared because there will be negative responses. You know, we're not, we live in a day and age when everybody has a voice, everybody has a choice, right? That's what they've been taught, you know, and there isn't, there isn't anything wrong with that to the point, but they think that they control their own destiny, they control their own future, they control, you know. That's not what the Bible tells us, that's not what the Word says. God is in control. It's up to us to line up our thinking and our speaking with Him. But we have to be prepared. I know 
you know, and if, you, if you've ever been there, you know what I mean, and I know you have. I remember one time uh, a particular relative liked, liked to uh, remind us every time something negative would happen in our lives, and I, I know my mom had a severe accident that altered the course of her life and ours, and one of our relatives was right there to tell us, well, I guess that shoots your theology. Well, we don't have any theology. And I don't have any doctrine. I believe the Word of God. It doesn't change the Word of God. If somebody gets sick, if somebody has an accident, the Word of God doesn't change. He doesn't change. He said, I'm the Lord, I change not. That's enough for me. So we have to be ready to, to see some negative, negative responses. You're going to have positive responses too. And that's a double victory in my, my estimation. But if you can get the word out, you've got to win. That's a win. Thanks be unto God who always, always leads us in triumph in Christ Jesus. You know, it doesn't mean that everyone we witness to is going to come to the Lord. Well, it would be a, a wonderful blessing, wouldn't it? 100% success rate. The problem with that is, you're successful in giving out the word, they may not receive it. But I've got good news for you, we're going to look at it here in a second. Doesn't mean that everyone we pray for is going to receive either. And that's a tough one. Here's where it gets dicey, because it's on display. You might pray for somebody, uh, I know... I've heard so many great ministers say the same thing. Brother Hagen, Brother Copeland, many others make the statements that, that they've laid hands on people in meetings with full anointing of God. And Brother Hagen used to, to make, you know, make light of it because you know, that's the best way. He, was, he said it would be like laying your hands on a doorknob. They couldn't receive, the doorknob can't receive the power of God. And Brother Copeland said he used to get worried and scared when he was young in the ministry. He'd say, I, Lord, I can't do that. He said, I didn't ask you to do anything except be a vessel. But somebody has to be there on the receiving end. You know, if I, if I picked up one of these tape sets and threw it at you and you ducked out of the way, you didn't receive it, you didn't catch it, I still threw it, right? still came towards you or if I took a football and threw it at you or a plate or a piece of glass glass but you didn't receive it and it fell sometimes people aren't going to receive but it doesn't change the word thank God it doesn't Isaiah chapter 55 we know this one Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 6 You know, it goes all the way back to the beginning of this chapter. We won't, we won't read all those verses. But the beginning says, Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. If you thirst and you don't go to the water, you remain thirsty. Verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way. 
and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord. He'll have mercy on him. And to our God, for he'll abundantly pardon. Abundantly pardon. This is the same God that we serve now. From this Old Testament uh, prophecy, this Old Testament prophet speaking, this is the same abundantly pardoning God. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. I can only say one thing. Thank God for that. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. We can't imagine being victorious in everything sometimes. Well, we better think it. He'll do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think by the power that works in us. That's what the Bible says. He says, he goes on to say, for as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud and that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void or empty without fruit. Every time his word is put out, there's fruit. You put out the, the word to somebody, you've got the victory. If I hand you a piece of fruit, and you say, I don't like that. I don't want it. I can't eat that type of fruit. You didn't receive it, right? He said, it won't return to me void or empty or without fruit, but it shall accomplish what I please and prosper in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress tree. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. And it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Thank God. Shall not be cut off. An everlasting sign. And the greatest thing about it, we've seen this and studied it and talked about it in studying prayer, in studying uh, the importance of our words, but in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse, start with verse 11 because this just leads up to it. He says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see a branch of an almond tree. Then the Lord said to me, You have seen well, for I'm ready to perform my word. King James says, I watch over my word. I hasten my word to perform it. Hasten your prayer? No, until you pray the word. Hasten your idle words? No. He said, I... You've seen well. I'm ready to perform my word. I watch over my word to perform it. I hasten my word to perform it. That same word that doesn't return void, empty, and without fruit. And as you give it out, that's victory. He watches over it, hastens it. <clears throat> 
Thank God for it. So as Christians, do we ever lose? Well, I don't know about you, brother, but I've sure lost a few. You might feel like you did. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Let's see. Same letter, different part. Let's start with verse 19 there. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Silvanus and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him was yes. Doesn't say in him maybe, if you're good enough. Now it says in him, yes. In him, yes. If you're in him, it's yes. For all the promises of God in him are yes. And in him, amen. To the glory of God through us. I don't know how you can, how anyone can misinterpret that verse. Or juggle it around to make it say something else. I've, I've heard and seen, and you have too, teachers of the word, preachers of the word, ministers of the word, take verses and, and make them mean something that they don't ever mean. I don't know how that they can possibly do that with this. Jesus is the fulfiller and the fulfillment of all the promises of God. He's their sum and substance. The old double S guy. The sum and substances, substance of all the promises of God. The fulfiller and the fulfillment. How can we put anything else in that verse? For all the promises of God in him are yes and in him, amen. To the glory of God through us. He didn't have to add that through us, did he? But he did. Through Jesus. Believers say, amen, so be it, right? Amen, yes, yes, amen, so be it. In response to God. If you're in Jesus, you qualify. And of course, that scares the devil off and you never have to deal with him ever again, right? It would be nice if it was that, but the devil will constantly attempt to tell you that you've lost, right? Otherwise, Paul wouldn't wouldn't have written anything about the armor of God to the church at Ephesus. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, the schemings of the devil. And every time you put the word out there, the devil's got another scheme to try to undermine it and undercut it. And the untaught Christian buys right into it. Well, I guess God didn't want to do that. And they take their sharpie and blot out 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. Or they just add a couple of words, put maybe or, you know, if he feels like it. No, the devil's going to constantly attempt to tell you that you've lost this one. You know, he'll tell you that you may have won in the past, but not this time. 
You ain't going to win this one. You know, there's too much evidence to the contrary. Look at Philippians chapter 4. We'll see if God feels that way. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 1. Yeah, there's just too much evidence against you. You're not going to get out of this one. We have to counteract his schemings with the word, don't we? Therefore, my beloved and longed for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. Now right there we could quit, but let's go on. I implore Yodia, and I implore Sintish to be of the same mind of the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel. And don't say that too loud because, you know, women aren't supposed to have the pulpit or to preach. But don't tell Paul that. Who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say, rejoice. Let your gentleness or your graciousness or forbearance be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren and sistern, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are pure, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Now, if you look down through that opening, I know that's nine verses, but there's five things we can glean from that right off the bat. And actually, you don't even have to start gleaning until about verse five or six there. But we, we can see some things that he's trying to get across. And, and it's not just, you know, he, he's beginning to end this letter by, by talking about he said, therefore, my beloved, long for brother, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord. And help, he said, I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored, help these people. And he goes on to say, be anxious for nothing. King James says careful, doesn't it? Be careful for nothing. Just be slipshod and go about everything and without any no don't be full of care for anything be anxious for nothing you're already to have cast your cares upon the Lord so you know we we've got the whole word here he's writing a letter but we've got the whole word of God we should have already cast our cares onto the Lord 
the whole of our cares, all of our anxieties, all of our worries, concerns, on to him, for he cares for us affectionately, he cares about us watchfully. So this, this letter here, you know, that was Peter writing. This letter here, Paul's writing, Church of Philippi, he says, be anxious for nothing. Don't be careful. Don't be full of care. Doesn't mean don't be careful and let your kids play out in the street. That's ridiculous. Be anxious for nothing. Don't be full of care. In everything, prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving, go to God. Make your request to God in everything. Well, doesn't he know? Didn't Jesus say, he already knows your needs? But you still need to ask. I know the needs of my family too, but if they need something specific on the spot, they need to tell me. You know, I call every day on my lunch break. I've got a whole hour for lunch to, that, that I don't need a whole hour, so I usually run to the store, pick up things we need. We don't need to go 20 miles into Walmart every night or even three miles up to Bill Martin's just to get, you know, a loaf of bread if we need it or something. So I'll call and, I'll, you know, ask if, if we need anything. Saves trips. Gives me something to do on my lunch break other than work. Because if you stay in the office, somebody's going to call. Somebody's going to come in. They're going to ask you something. The phone's going to ring. So we get out of the office a little bit. We get some, we do some work. But, you know, if I get home and they say, didn't you know we needed onions? Didn't you know we needed this? We didn't, didn't you know we needed this? Uh, we don't have any of that. Well, I called at lunchtime. You didn't tell me. I mean, I know we need that eventually. I mean, we need onions, right? We need potatoes. We need things, different foods. But we don't need it every day. But you've got to ask me and tell me to pick it up. Well, God already knows. In everything. Through prayer and supplication. Supplication prayer, requesting prayer, petition prayer. With thanksgiving, make your requests. Everything. His peace guards our hearts and minds. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. We can't figure this out. Don't try to figure it out. But His peace will guard your hearts and your minds. And one uh, translation... I read and I, I can't find the translation and I've looked and I'm going to keep looking but it says stand, stands guard as a sentry. The example is a sentry. You know how a sentry stands guard at night on an encampment or like the, those guys those people over at Buckingham Palace they stand guard all day long you know they don't move you can do anything in front of them they won't bat an eye. As a sentry stands guard as a sentry on your hearts and minds. The peace of God does that. Through Christ. Not through any, anything that we can conjure up through the world. But through Christ. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Stands guard on your hearts and minds. Through Christ Jesus. And then verse 8. We all know what we're to, we're to meditate on. He says finally. After all this. Whatever things are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, of good report. 
If there's anything virtuous, praiseworthy, meditate on these things. That good report, uh, that, that's the word euphemos in the Greek. Strong's 2163. Compare uh, our words euphemism and euphemistic. A combination of you, which means well, and feme, which means a saying, a well saying. Euphemos is speech that is gracious, auspicious, praiseworthy, and fair sounding. It includes the avoidance of words of ill omen. I dread this. I'm afraid of that. This disease is going around. This sickness is going around. On and on and on. Words of ill omen. The avoidance. Whatever things are of good report. And the Old Testament counterpart to this. Proverbs chapter 24 verse 16 No, I gave you the wrong verse. It, here's what it is. It's Proverbs, <laughs> Proverbs 16, 24. Right church, wrong pew. I, I wrote it down wrong. I have it written down wrong here. Pleasant words are as a honeycomb. Sweet to the soul, health to the bones. Sweet to the mind, will, and emotions. Health to the bones. That one, that one makes no sense at all, does it? Proverbs 16, 24. Praise God. I, you know, there isn't a Sunday that goes by that I don't switch numbers or do something. <clears throat> Thanks be to God. We have the victory. Finally, the result is always peace. Go, go back to Philippians. These things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. The result is always peace. The result is always the peace of God. Now over to Isaiah 32, 17, the work of righteousness will be peace. And the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. My people will dwell in peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings, and in quiet resting places. Thank God. So there's five little things that we see that are big things in that Philippians opening. We're not to be full of anxiousness or care. In everything, through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let our requests be made known. His peace guards our hearts and minds as a sentry. We know what to meditate on, and the results are always peace. And that's victory. God's peace should be our end result in victory. Look at John chapter 14. Jesus said it. We can't emphasize this verse enough. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. We're not going to get the peace of God with the peace of the world. It's the peace that passes understanding that stands guard on our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. He said, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. That's our end result of victory. We should never lose as believers. The world may tell you that you have lost. Well, you've lost this battle. What did Jesus say? John chapter 16. Verse 23, in that day, 
Chalk up two for me today. That's not the right verse either. John 16, 33. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer, he says. I have overcome the world. In the world you may have tribulation. Anybody ever run through that? Not the tribulation. In the world you may have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The world may tell you that you're lost. Your emotions may tell you that. Your body may tell you that. But your heart's going to know. You have the victory. If you're in Jesus. And through him. Thanks be unto God who gives us the victory, always causes us to triumph through Christ Jesus. Father, we love you, we praise you, we glorify you, and we bless you. We thank you, as always, for your word on every subject, every subject that we'd run into, every problem known to man, we have your word on it. It's up to us to find it. And if we can't find it, it's up to us to keep looking and to... Uh, Seek other ways to find it through knowledgeable Christian people. The leading of your spirit. Believing you for wisdom. It's up to us to find whatever it is that we need in your word. Because your word doesn't return void. Empty or without fruit. It accomplishes what you please. And it prospers in the thing for which you sent it. So we thank you. As always, Father, we thank you for your blessed holy word. We thank you for the living word, the Lord Jesus Christ, living within us. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the infilling, indwelling presence of your Holy Spirit. We thank you, dear Father, that he'll lead us and guide us into all truth. Thank you. We praise you and glorify you in honor. Thank you for always, always giving us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We praise you and bless you in Jesus' name.